Hey there, my name is Ricky Smith, and I'm the founder of Random Acts of Kindness Everywhere, a nonprofit that simply does exactly what it says, promote kindness everywhere. We know the world is crazy right now. If you are searching for a podcast that has a deeper conversation about race, my co-host Angel Gray and I will be discussing everything going on right now on our podcast, Random Acts of Podcast, on Blue Wire Podcast Network. To find out more, go to rakenow.org. Enjoy the show. It's important to establish that culture of winning, the importance of winning, and doing things the right way. So for us, it's just to keep building upon that. Throws to the end zone. It is caught for the Miami touchdown. It's Parker. All day long with Devontae Parker. Picked off. Going to the end zone is Eric Rowe for the touchdown. Play fake. Throws it. There he is. Rockets. And it's a big man touchdown in Miami. What is up, Finns fans? Welcome into another episode of Fin It to Win It. As always, we're brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network and Bet Online. You can follow and interact with the show on social media. We're at Fin It to Win It on Facebook and Twitter. My name's Riley Bradshaw alongside Mason Engelhart. And Mason, I'm really excited for tonight's episode because we have a ton of players to get into. We're going to be talking about Miami Dolphins players that have the most approved going into the 2020 season. Yeah, Riley, we have a lot to talk about tonight, but before we get to all that, I have to mention this at the beginning of tonight's episode What's that? About, how, about how great you look in your new Dolphins jersey. Yeah, I mean, baby, I, you like that? I do. A, a <laughs> Just brand got new it the Tua, other day. Brand new Tua jersey. I love it. You look great in it. And you know, I don't throw a lot of compliments around to you, so you need to take this very seriously, but you look great. No, I appreciate it. And you had to go throwback. I just love the throwback version of teal so whenever i get a jersey now which is not very often actually it's been a while since i've invested in a jersey for the miami dolphins but when you do you got to go throwback so i was thinking you know before i got the two a jersey what's the last dolphins jersey i've gotten because i made it a point mason and i don't know about you but like over the last few years i'm like i just can't i'm not going to do it because i don't want to buy someone's jersey and they're gone the next year you know, like Minka Fitzpatrick or something. So I think my last jersey was a Tannehill jersey. But even before that, I have a ton from like the early 2000s. Like my closet is full of Sam Madison, you know, obviously Ricky Williams, Jason Taylor, Zach Thomas, all of those guys. But it's, you know, after that kind of era, it's like literally someone gave me a Brandon Marshall jersey. So I didn't buy that one. That one doesn't count. <laughs> but I bought a Tannehill and that's the last one I bought before the Tua jersey. Well, it's funny you say a few years. I'm like a few decades. I rarely get jerseys. I'm very stern about that. And it's not because I don't love the Dolphins with all my heart. Of course I do. But I'm just really picky when it comes to jerseys. I can count on my one hand how many Dolphins jerseys I've owned all my life. Even as a little kid, I was really picky about what jerseys I had. Uh, first jersey I ever had was a Marino jersey. Go figure. After that, it was Zach Thomas, OJ McDuffie, and then it was another Marino jersey. I got another Marino jersey when I got older, one of the like uh, retro uh, Mitchell and Ness jerseys. Uh, so, yeah, I, I've not gotten a lot of jerseys throughout my life, but I got to say the Tua jersey looks great on you. I haven't gotten my Tua jersey yet, Riley, but why don't you talk a little bit about this awesome contest we're starting on Wednesday? I know we kind of promoted it and we teased the audience with it last week, but what are we doing uh, with this two, not the two jersey you're wearing, but what are we doing with a brand new two jersey? 
the king of the segue. Nailed it as always, Mason. There you go. <laughs> so on social media, which by the way, thanks to everyone who has followed us recently on Facebook and Twitter, the interaction has been through the roof these last couple of weeks. We're really picking great. up steam. So thank you to Dolphins fans who have been interacting, engaging with us on social media. But we've decided to do, and we've talked about this on previous episodes, as we kind of grow and kind of, you know, get the show rolling, we want to incorporate the fans more and more. So that's, you know, talking about episodes dedicated to fans, having fans on the actual show. And then we're talking giveaways. And we're going to start, we're starting big, Mason. Might as we well, are, man. Right? Starting I mean, big. Why not? The Tua jersey is number one and number two in the entire NFL. So what we're doing here at Fin It to Win It, we are going to be giving away a free Tua jersey to a Miami Dolphins fan. And all you've got to do, it's very simple, on Facebook, if you interact with it on Facebook, the post, you just have to like the post, share the post, and make sure that you like our Fin It to Win It page. On Twitter, you just have to like the post, retweet the post, and follow us on Twitter at fin it to win it. So that's all you got to do. And if you Simple. do that, you'll be entered to win a free Tua jersey. And Riley, they also the winner of the jersey gets to pick what color too. They can go with the teal, and I agree. I, I like the teal better. I like the way it pops. Or they can go with the white. So either color works for us. Uh, they can pick the variation of that. But it's an awesome prize. I mean, we're not starting off with just a hat or a pair of gloves or a Dolphins button or anything like that. I mean, we're going big. With this first promotional contest, with like a keychain yeah. and a little mouse no, this, pad. This, no, man, this we're is going great. Big here on to win it, and this is something we're going to continue. Um, obviously, we're not going to do a jersey every time, but we're going to do a gift or a prize that we feel like Dolphin fans would really enjoy having. And like Riley said, it's super simple. Just follow those instructions that Riley said on Facebook or Twitter. Make sure you like or retweet. Make sure you're sharing that stuff, and of course, follow us. So we know who to pick and we're going to announce obviously what date it's going to be when we post the details on Facebook and Twitter. So please keep on the lookout for that because we want to give everybody enough chance to join and to follow us. So it's going to be a tough decision when we randomly pick somebody. Yeah. So we're going to set it. We're going to do this for a couple of weeks and basically, and I know a lot of our fans right now are thinking, Hey, I already follow you guys. So what does that mean for me? All that means for you, if you already follow our accounts, is retweet it and like it. And we're going to be posting that post probably a few times over the course of these next couple of weeks. So each time you interact with the post, so each time you retweet it, you will be entered for each of those retweets. So you'll be entered. So you're basically you'll have a greater chance of being picked the more times you interact with those posts. So something to keep in mind. But for our loyal fans that already follow us, do not worry. You can still win as well. You just have to retweet and like the post on social media. So really cool stuff that we're starting to do here on Finit to Win It. And we want to keep that stuff going, you know, as the show continues to grow. But we're here tonight. We're going to be talking about which Miami Dolphins players have the most to prove in 2020. Speaking of social media, Mason, I want to get into some of the responses because we got a ton of them. You guys came with your A game when we put this question out on social media today. So I want to read some of those before you and I start giving our opinions. But first... Let's do a quick read from Bet Online. Hey guys, there's no shortage of action going on right now at our exclusive partner, Bet Online. Sports are finally coming back. Finally. And Bet Online has hundreds of games, events, and sports to get in on. Mason, why don't you tell the people more? That's right, Riley. Tons of things are starting to come back. We've had NASCAR. Golf is actually coming back this week. I'm excited to look at those head to head matchups. So it's an exciting time for sure. 
You can also still bet on the simulated NFL, NBA, and UFC events, always 24-7 on Bet Online. Or you can participate in that $10,000 Madden Bracket Challenge, which is going to be a March Madness style NFL simulation tournament. And you can enter that rally for free. I, I still can't believe that. They're letting people enter that for free. But why awesome. not? Hey, it's it's fantastic. So $10,000 up for grabs and you can enter it for free. That's amazing. And of course, live right now, you can go onto Bet Online's YouTube channel and find an exclusive interview with ex-Chicago Bulls, Ron Harper, Horace Grant, Bill Cartwright, and Craig Hodges, where they'll discuss that Michael Jordan documentary, and they're calling it the final dance. So visit betonline.ag and use this promo code BLUEWIRE. That's promo code Blue Wire, and you can receive your new welcome bonus and check out all the action that Bet Online has to offer. Bet Online, your online wagering solution. All right, let's roll. Let's get into this. So I mentioned before the read, you guys, you brought your A game, you came ready with your responses. I want to go through some of those responses before we give our opinion, Mason. So let's start on Twitter. Which Miami Dolphins players have the most to prove in 2020? Brian Byrne on Twitter said Xavier Howard. We're going to be talking about Xavier Howard probably extensively in this episode. He said Xavier Howard. We know he's elite, but he needs to play all 16 games or I don't think he is here next year. So quite the statement from Brian Gary Croft on Twitter says Kalen Balazs for obvious reasons. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Uh, Kirk Killam on Facebook says Tua. This is an interesting one because Mason, I, I don't know if you and I necessarily agree on this. He says Tua. He has to stay healthy and prove to everyone why the Dolphins picked him at number five. Brennan Emenheiser, he says on Twitter, the combination of Jakeem Grant and Albert Wilson, can they stay healthy and be valuable assets in the passing game? Neither has it, he, he gets in deep here. He says, neither has eclipsed 400 single season receiving yards in Miami. One of them desperately needs to prove that they can be a reliable target. Couldn't agree more. Uh, Brennan, we're going to talk about those guys as well. And this is one that kind of shocked me, but I see where people are coming from with it. Can I guess what it is before you say it? Sure. Go ahead. I'm going to go with the 1200 yard receiver, Devonte Parker. Yeah. We got a lot of responses saying Devonte Parker, can he repeat the production from last season? And that's kind of interesting. Like how you, I guess how you look at which Miami dolphins have the most to prove because there's different angles you can take. I mean, Honestly, Mason, you could really go through each player on the roster and put them on this list. You know, they're NFL players. They have expectations. They have something to prove, you know, whether they underperformed last year, whether they broke out last year like Devontae Parker but need to be consistent. Guys in the final year of their contracts, we have a couple of those guys we're going to talk about. So there's a lot of different factors, I guess, that go into this. So I guess for Devontae Parker, he had that breakout year last year, but can he sustain it? Yeah, and even rookies, you know, people look at rookies. Well, they have a lot to prove. This is their first year in the league. They might have had injuries concerns, a.k.a. Tua. Uh, They might not be given as much of a a leash to kind of go out there on the field, so there's not much slack for them. So, yeah, you can really break down every player on this roster and say a different reason for them to prove it this season with the Miami Dolphins. And honestly, not the Dolphins are a young team. They're a team that's on the rebuild and the rebound. Almost every player on every NFL team, you could make some some kind of a case for them what they need to prove this year. And I would say p- players embrace that. That gets them hungry. That shows them that they have to prove it to themselves because no player is going to want to be complacent and just go out there and say, oh, 
there's nothing that's lighting my fire. Cause if you're going to do that, then you're not going to make it in the NFL. Even if you got a huge contract, there's something you're going to have to do to prove your worth on a team. Well, it's so easy to be replaced. It's like two things, right? So, oh, yeah. you know, I'm a couple plays away from someone taking my spot. If I'm injury prone, if I haven't been on the field. So there's that aspect of it. And then, you know, money talks, man, if you're in a contract year, you got to ball out to get that next contract. I mean, what is the average NFL players career? It's like two, two and a half, three years. It's not very long at all. So these guys got to make their money when they can, and they have to be productive and be on the field, be reliable. And that's a lot of guys we're going to talk about tonight. That's been one of their issues, but I thought it was funny. So like our last two that I read from um, Brennan and then obviously all those people saying Devonte Parker. So I was kind of going through the same thing, Mason. I was like, all right, so players with the most approved, and I was thinking on the offensive side, I was like, well, Albert Wilson, definitely. I mean, the guy probably wouldn't have made the final squad if he didn't restructure his deal, so he has a lot to prove. Jakeem Grant, he signed that extension last year. He needs to stay healthy. He needs to prove that he is actually a viable offensive weapon, not just in special teams, right? So I was like, okay, Jakeem Grant. Alan Keep Hearns. <laughs> Alan Hearns. Oh, yeah. Well, this is getting a little crowded here. Isaiah Ford, he's in his last year of his deal. And then all these people saying Devontae Parker. So let's just say the entire wide receiver group has a lot to prove in 2020. <laughs> yeah, and you can split hairs, obviously, with Parker. I could see people having the argument that he doesn't have as much to prove as some of these other guys. And I think we would both agree with the, agree with that to some um, to some extent. But at the top of my list for these receivers, I would probably say it would go Jakeem Grant for the reasons you mentioned. 2018, 2019, they both ended with him on the injury reserve list. He's been more of a special team standout than he has as a wide receiver. I think in our wide receiver breakdown, we really went into that in good in depth. So if you haven't checked that out, you guys need to listen to that and download that episode because we really talk about all these guys and how most of them have had those durability issues or just issues performing on the field. But for Jakeem Grant, the thing that he really needs to prove is he can get out on that field with the offense. He's only, He was only out there for 217 snaps last year. That's 20%. That's not going to cut it. He's a huge talent with his speed and his agility out there on the field. He's a great deep threat outside the numbers, but he has to get outside in the field more. So, yeah, Riley, I agree with you. All these receivers, they do have something to prove, especially Jakeem Grant. Yeah, Jakeem Grant is just – it's a difficult – I guess it's difficult to put your finger on Jakeem Grant because he's such a dynamic player, but it's been so, no one's been able to figure it out. You know, how does he fit in the dynamic of the offense? So like, is he in the slot? He was tried in the slot. Didn't really work out there. He's obviously so small. He has trouble against press coverage, getting off the line of scrimmage, you know, in the Gase era, the Adam Gase era, era, they tried him out on the boundary a couple years ago tried him on the slot. So it's just, you know, we, we've seen glimpses, you know, if he catches that slant over the middle, he can take it to the house, no problem. But he's, you know, he can't really take much of a beating with his small stature. So it's just, it's finding a spot for him. And then we talked about too, them bringing in Malcolm Perry, the rookie from Navy. I know he's listed. Sure. And we mentioned him in the wide receiver breakdown and the running back breakdown because you know, he's a quarterback at Navy, but he's listed on the depth chart right now as a running back. But we don't know how Malcolm Perry is going to fit into the fit into the team. Where exactly is he going to, you know, be placed a wide receiver running back? Like that's a spot that, you know, I, I would think the Dolphins 
drafting him are going to try to find a spot for him, whether it's on the active roster or on the practice squad. But, you know, he brings a lot of similar things to the table that Jakeem Grant does. So how does that impact Jakeem Grant's status with this team? Because he's, you know, he signed that extension. I think it's like $5 million a year. So if you can get a guy, Malcolm Perry, for a lot cheaper on his rookie, you know, rookie deal, seventh round pick, you know, that could affect, you know, decisions made once we get to training camp, if these guys are performing kind of on a similar level, you know what I mean? Isaiah, yeah. Isaiah Ford's another guy that comes to mind. Um, Albert Wilson, like you mentioned, just restructured his contract. That's going to help him a lot this season, not be on the hot seat as much, even though he's he has a lot to prove too. But Isaiah Ford's someone the Dolphins like a lot. They see his potential. They know he needs that time to develop. And the fact that they got him for so cheap, I think it was a one-year contract for just under a million dollars, like $750,000, that's going to help him out a lot. But he still needs to prove that he belongs in the NFL. Uh, Last eight games of the year when they promoted him, he did show some flashes, had 23 receptions, didn't get in the end zone, but had 244 yards. I I like what I see from Isaiah Ford. He just needs to continue to prove himself though he needs to stay consistent he needs to kind of like Jakeem Grant he needs to get out on the field he's that guy that just won't go away and I love (laughs) it you know being a Virginia Tech fan I'm glad he's still on the team but like this is a guy that just bounces from you know active roster to practice squad to cut they've cut him a few times brought him back to the practice squad but he finally like you mentioned got his opportunity and he performed well he was one of the main targets in those last couple of weeks so for me you know to kind of put a bow on this wide receiver group conversation. I mean, Albert Wilson, we know we, we talked about Albert Wilson a lot on this podcast, so I don't want to get into him too much here. You can go back and listen to our wide receiver breakdown, but I think it's going to come down between Alan Hearns and Isaiah Ford. And I think if Isaiah Ford can carry over that momentum that he had at the end of last year, I think Alan Hearns is a guy on the chopping block. I know we signed that contract extension. I know he's that veteran presence, but I think you can get, very similar type of production and skill sets out of Isaiah Ford. I don't think they're ready to give up on Jakeem Grant. They're obviously not ready to give up on Albert Wilson restructuring his deal. So I'm not sure all these guys can make the final roster. So I think if you're going to, if for me, if you're picking an odd man out, it's Alan Hearns. Yeah. Someone's head's got to be on the chopping block from this group and the Dolphins, they, they like Isaiah Ford a lot. You mentioned he, he, he's kind of like a a vampire or a zombie or something. It just, just won't stay dead. He just won't go away. And, but I like that it's in a good way because I do like what he can show in the training camps he's been a part of in the preseason. He's got great flash to his game. I like his hands. I like his ability on the field. His route running is solid too. So I really hope that Isaiah Ford can, you know, prove it this year and he can get on the field for the Dolphins. Needs to bulk up a little bit. I I was expecting him to kind of, you know, with, I mean, he's entering what, like his fourth year now, I think. So I was expecting with, you know, those couple years of NFL service, he would like kind of build on that frame. He's a very lean a uh, lean player at 6'2", 190. So he's he's very he's very thin. Um, doesn't have elite speed, but like you said, his ball skills are like top notch. That's what's keeping him at the NFL level. His ability to get off the line of scrimmage quickly and win contested balls. That's all he did at Virginia Tech was throw it up to him. He's going to make a play. So I think there's a spot on the roster for Isaiah Ford, but I do think it's going to come down for me personally. I think it's going to come down between him and Alan Hearns. So let's, I want to talk about this guy, Josh Rosen. You mentioned him in our pre-show meeting. Obviously, this guy has a lot to prove. He's been in constant trade talks since the team drafted Tua. 
what is it going to take for Josh Rosen? I mean, is he even going to get an opportunity? I guess preseason is where he's really going to have to show that he deserves a roster spot or that he's going to, you know, increase his trade value enough, right? Where the Dolphins feel like they could ship him to another team where maybe he could fight for a starting job or get an opportunity to get more playing time than he will with Miami. Yeah. You know, mentally he has to just be shot um, with what he has had to deal with in his short NFL career. Can you, can you blame him? No, I can't blame him. I really can. I really do feel bad for the guy in many ways. Um, He's, he's one of those players that, Obviously, it doesn't seem like he's going to be the future with the Dolphins, but I do hope he makes it somewhere just because he's not been given. He's been given the short end of the stick with a lot of things so far with the different offensive coordinators he's had to go through. Um, He hasn't really been giving given a ton of opportunities, but you know what? That's the NFL. You have to make uh, the most of what you're given. And he was given several starts last year and they were very inconsistent. And you could just tell the difference. I believe it was the Washington game where him and Fitzpatrick both played, you can just tell Fitzpatrick is just a second or two or a step or two ahead of him when he's running that offense. And in the and in the NFL, that is a huge difference. A second is the biggest difference when it comes to being a quarterback and reading the field and checking down and reading the defense. You have to be able to make those quick decisions. And so far, Josh Rosen has really just struggled with that. For Josh Rosen, though, he is going to have to really prove it to the NFL that he belongs in this league. You mentioned preseason, Riley. He had a strong preseason last year, too. He's going to have to show in camp that he can have a great camp. He can be a team player. He cannot get down, which is easier said than done because of everything I just mentioned. But he's going to have to show that he can go into preseason and really show some strides. Because I remember a few weeks ago there were some rumors, and you know, rumors in the NFL, you have to take them with a grain of salt. But there are rumors in the NFL that some teams were already calling Miami. And that's not going to go away. Him. That's not going to go no, away, especially no. if he it's, plays it's well not. in the preseason. Yeah, and we both agree that the Dolphins don't need to trade him. They need to use his value right now because right now with our quarterback well, lineup. He has, no, he has no value right now. So I, well, exactly. be, I don't see why you would trade him right now. I mean, if he no, balls let, out in the preseason and you get an offer you can't refuse, okay, yeah, I get it. Yeah. But right now it makes zero sense. Yeah, unless it was an offer that was just amazingly crazy and Flores and Greer and company were like, okay, we have to take this. You got to hold on to him and hope that you can build his confidence back up. He can show what he can do. And the, the way he played in college and the way the reason he was drafted so high by the Cardinals, if he can show those reasons again, then yeah, then you can explore trade options. But with an almost 38-year-old quarterback and a rookie quarterback who has some health issues but does look like he's going to be the future franchise quarterback, let's hope and pray. You need to keep Josh Rosen on, but man, he's got a lot to prove this season, Riley. I mean, we might as well call the Houston Texans. What the hell? Give it a shot. See what they'll give us for Josh Rosen. <laughs> How many picks yeah. you guys got left? You've shipped them all yeah. out. <laughs> but I mean, there's there's two different arguments to make for Josh Rosen. Obviously, the talent, the skills are there. That's why he was picked in the first round, right? And you mentioned that he played well in the preseason last year. But you got to think, like, you know, what do you get in the preseason? No one's showing anything. You get a dummy down version of the offense. I think what surprised a lot of Dolphins fans last year was how much he struggled to pick up that Chad O'Shea offensive system, that Patriots-like, very complex, making a lot of decisions at the line of scrimmage. He really struggled picking that up, and he just seemed like he was not confident running the offense like Fitzpatrick was. So... It'll be interesting to see, like with Chan Gailey's simplified RPO 
more college-like type of offense if he's able to kind of get his feet under him a little bit because this guy, throughout his career at UCLA, he had three different offensive coordinators in college. And in the NFL, he's now in his fourth offensive coordinator. I mean, this guy is averaging more than one offensive coordinator in each year that he's played. It's just absolutely ridiculous. So, like, you can only expect so much from the guy. But on the opposite side of the coin, like, when he's in, he's just not he's not producing even when he's given time. You know, last year when he did start, he threw for just over 50%. In fact, Mason, he was the lowest quarterback in the league that started a game when it came to completion percentage. So, yeah, the Dolphins started 11 different offensive linemen last year that played at least 100 snaps. So there was no consistency whatsoever. He didn't have a running game. So he gets a little bit of a pass, but at the same time, you would expect that completion percentage with a guy with the prestige of Rosen coming out of UCLA, you'd expect that to be a little bit higher. I mean, he was sailing balls left and right. He was erratic last year in this offense. He had... He just was. He looked like he was lost when he was in the game. No, I I, I couldn't agree more, Riley. And that's why he's going to have to really put the pass behind him, and he's going to have to show why he was selected so high in the draft. And he's going to have to show some team out there. There has to be a team out there that has their eye on Josh Rosen, and they're keeping an eye on him to see how he can resurrect his career, how he can perform on the field, and all he can do for himself is go out there and prove everybody wrong prove that he can be a confident and a uh, solid NFL quarterback. And if he can do that, you never know. He may get a shot down the line, but with Miami right now, he's going to need to be just a great teammate and he's going to need to study the playbook, study the offense. So if he is called upon, he can go in there and prove his worth. So I mentioned the offensive line and just how much of a cluster, you know what it was last year. Yeah, so let's and we're going to talk about that later this yeah. week too. And I don't want to get, yeah, because we're talking about it later this week. I don't want to get too in-depth with it, but I do think we're talking about guys that have the most to prove. I think a lot of guys on the offensive line have a ton to prove. I mean, they brought in so many new faces on the, this offensive line. I've said it repeatedly on this show in past episodes, you could be looking at a situation where we have four, maybe even five completely new starters from last year. But if you're looking at guys that started last year trying to keep and hold on to their jobs this year, you're looking at guys like Michael Dieter, Jesse Davis, Davenport, those guys. So let's start with Dieter because, you know, he was a rookie last year. So your expectations are already a little bit limited. He struggled, but I mean, for crying out loud, what do you expect from the guy at left guard? You know, Tunsil leaves, and then it's just a Rolodex of players. No consistency whatsoever. Kilgore was awful at center. So you're surrounding this rookie that had some promise coming out of Wisconsin. You spent a third-round pick on him, and you surround him with literally nothing. So how can you expect, just like Josh Rosen, how can you expect with nothing around him to, you know, set him up and expect any type of success from him? So... Now that there's a little, I mean, I don't even want to say stability. <laughs> that might be a stretch. We're going to have to see how the offensive line shakes out. But Dieter's going to be in for a fight at training camp because, you know, Robert Hunt, they bring him in second rounder. I know he was your favorite pick of the draft, Mason. This dude's a grinder. They're going to try him at tackle, but I think he's more naturally a guard. If Jesse Davis wins that right tackle position and Hunt moves into guard, I think you can say bye-bye to Dieter's starting job since they also brought in Eric Flowers to play guard and spent a little bit of money on him. So I would expect Flowers to be the starter on the left side. So it's going to come down to Dieter and then either Kindly or Hunt. And if Hunt kicks in, I think it's his job to lose. 
Yeah, I agree with you. And it, it is going to be a very uphill battle for many of these offensive linemen who are coming into this situation, especially Jesse Davis and Michael Dieter. We mentioned Michael Dieter in our breakout players too. Uh, I, yep. I, I like the fact that he does play multiple positions. The versatility, once again, that's like our keyword. On well, that's the show. what's going to save him, honestly. Yeah, it, it, the fact that he can play center, uh, left guard experience, and you know, between him and Jesse Davis, they were both out there a little over 90% of the snaps for the Dolphins last year. So they really had to grind through the year. And listen, if you can make it through that mess of a season last year in the offensive line, that shows a lot of character. It shows that you didn't give up. Uh, you didn't just, you know, we know Dieter got benched a little bit last year, but he came back and finished the year on a positive note. So the fact that Davis and Dieter can work that many snaps during the season, it is it is a positive thing to look forward to. Definitely going to be interested. I know we're going to talk later this week um, more about these rookie offensive linemen, but I'm definitely interested to see what they're going to bring and how they're going to challenge these veterans. I really hope these rookies come in and they just light a fire under every one of these veterans' asses and really make them have to go out and guess what? Have to prove themselves that they can beat out these rookies to start on this line. Absolutely. And if you look at last year, so from ESPN stats and info, guys, out of 171 qualified NFL offensive linemen last season, when you look at pass block win rate, <laughs> Michael Dieter was the top for the Miami Dolphins. Out of 171, he was 146th. <laughs> Yeah, I figured it was going to be great. somewhere around there. Yeah, And then behind him was Julian Davenport at mm-hmm. 169 and Jesse Davis at 170. Jesse Davis was rated as the 62nd overall best tackle last season. 58.9 overall rating according to Pro Football Focus. Julian Davenport, not much better. 67th rated player with a 56 overall rating. So, you know, Jesse Davis has his hands full too. I am, you know, personally, you know, this is my last comment on the offensive line before we move on. But when I look at the offensive line and kind of how it's going to shape out, I think, you know, at guard, we have some options. I am worried about that right tackle position because Jesse Davis, I guess you could call him semi-serviceable. Robert Hunt, tons of talent, but I'm not sure his skill set in terms of his lateral quickness can convert to the NFL level of speed when you talk about these edge rushers that he's going to be going against. I would love it if Hunt came in and grabbed that tackle position and ran with it, but I see him more kicking into guard and Jesse Davis getting that spot. So when I look at the offensive line, the right tackle spot is the one I'm going to be watching hard when it comes to training camp. I'm worried about it. I, we all are. And like we mentioned, we're going to talk about more in depth later on, but the one last thing I will say about the line and specifically about Jesse Davis, there are some encouraging things for Davis, the way he closed out the year, like many dolphins did on both sides of the ball, but three hits and no sacks allowed his last five games. That's fantastic. That's a great way to close out the year. A lot of dolphins players stepped up as the year went on. So it is encouraging to see certain players, especially offensive linemen, start to gain that experience as the year went on. So let's end it on a positive note today with the offensive line. Jesse Davis, he did finish the year strongly, so hopefully he can continue that into the offseason. You bring in Ted Karras, an upgrade at center. You bring in Eric Flowers, an upgrade at, at guard. So upgrades have been made. So like we kind of mentioned, now that there's a little more stability and more talent overall spread out throughout the line, and obviously you know the rookies with Jackson and Hunt and Kindly. 
now the talent level is raised a little bit. So hopefully that, you know, elevates everybody's game, knowing the guy next to him has, you know, a little more stability on either side of him. So I have one more guy for me, Mason, on the offensive side of the ball. A fan on social media mentioned Kalen Balaj. He's a hot topic. Is this guy going to make the team? The Dolphins were all in on him going into last year. I mean, they were very high on Kalen Balaj, and he underwhelmed, to say the least. Uh, you know, everyone knows the 1.8 yards per carry that he had through the season. Then he, you know, gets hurt, sits out the rest of the year. So he showed some flashes his rookie year, but last year it was not pretty. And I get it. We talked about the offensive line. It was a mess. The Dolphins' offensive line was the worst run-blocking offensive line in the league, but it's still, <laughs> Patrick Laird came in and ran for almost a whole yard more per carry, and that's Patrick Laird. Uh, not to knock Patrick Laird, but I don't think he's really blowing by anybody at the NFL level. So if you're Kalen Balazs and you're trying to grab this starting role, you gotta you got to do better than 1.8 yards per carry. And now that they've brought in Breida and Howard, where is this guy's role on this team? How does he fit on the depth chart? Do they keep him around for some depth, or do they go with some of these other guys that they haven't seen as much, so maybe they can get something more out of them than what they've seen from Balaj so far? It was a lose-lose situation last season. You know, Balaj, <laughs> in a way, he kind of drew the short end of the stick. And, of course, listen, when you're starting NFL running back, you're never going to pass that up. That's not what I'm saying. But in the situation he was going into, it was a very big uphill climb. If you went into a much better situation with a better offense, a better offensive line, who knows what he could have done, but we all know he didn't make anything out of that situation. And because of that, he is going to really be under pressure this season. The Dolphins brought in their two running backs. We covered them in our running back um, preview show when we discussed about Jordan Howard and Matt Breida and what they're going to bring to this offense. But, you know, the thing with that Balazs does have going for him is behind those two guys, it's really up for grabs on who's going to take advantage of a backup spot. And, you know, our two main starting running backs, they do have some injury history in the past. Yeah, that's so true. if Balazs can go into camp positive, kind of like Josh Rosen, he really kind of needs to forget about last season. Well, not totally, but he needs to forget a lot of things about it. He needs to use it to fuel his fire, but he also needs to forget about a lot of the negative things and look towards the future. If he can do that, you never know. I mean, it can't get much worse than what he performed on the field. So hopefully with a rebuilt offensive line, Balazs can go out there. He can show a little bit more. But a lot of from what I saw from Balazs, even when he had those running lanes, I really didn't like. Didn't show a lot of acceleration. The vision not a lot of shiftiness. Yeah, yeah, the vision the vision wasn't there either. And I know it's hard to have vision when you don't have holes to run through. But you know there wasn't a lot of positives from the season. So I agree with you, Riley. He's he's got a lot to prove. Yeah, his longest carry last year was eight yards. Eight yards. <laughs> that's not that's not great at all. Um, he's coming off of an Achilles injury. You know he didn't tear it, but he was put on IR, and that's a pretty major injury, especially if you're a running back with all those cuts you have to make. So. He's a guy to be looking out for when it comes to who's going to make this roster, who's not going to make this roster. He's got a ton of pressure on him to come in and perform at training camp. Let's go to the defensive side of the ball. We have some names here. Mason, I'm going to leave, you know, Xavier Howard is that low-hanging fruit everyone wants to talk about. I'm going to save him for next. We'll talk about the secondary. But for me, a guy, and it's not based on production. It's not like a Kalen Balas situation. This guy balled out last year. In fact, out of every defensive tackle in the entire league, he finished number two with 75. 
And I'm talking about Devon Godshaw. Now, I put him on this list with a lot to prove because he's entering the final year of his deal. We mentioned it at the beginning. There's so many different angles and factors you got to take into account when you're talking about guys going into a season with, you know, a lot to prove. This dude wants to get paid. He has said it publicly that he wants to be paid like a top defensive tackle. And, you know, he kind of is making his way up to that echelon as in terms of a run blocker. I mean, you're not going to get double-digit sacks. He's not Aaron Donald, okay, people. Um, but for what he does well, serves this Miami Dolphins defense um, very well in terms of he is that guy that is a gap-controlled defensive tackle. He's going to stuff the run. He's going to make it damn near impossible for teams to run the ball on you. So he's not going to be that guy that penetrates, gets pressure on the quarterback, and you're going to see a big sack total. But in terms of kind of controlling the line of scrimmage, he is very valuable to this defense in terms of setting those edge rushers now that we've upgraded them. So he is a major piece to the defense. It's going to be interesting to see what kind of production he gets. I do think, Mason, it's going to help that that sack total is probably not going to be over four or five when you're talking negotiating contracts because you'll put him up to, you know, these other guys, you know, Cameron Hayward, uh, Aaron Donald that, you know, get eight, nine, ten sacks a season and be like, well, you're not going to get paid there. But out of – all the defensive tackles in the league, Mason, only 16 of them make over $10 million a season. So it'll be interesting to see what kind of money Godshaw is looking for. But he has a lot to prove because he wants to get paid. And I don't blame him. And another reason he's so valuable to the Dolphins' defense is the leader he is. He's a loud voice in yeah, the locker room. He brings point. a lot of leadership. This is a very young team. And when you guys have when you have players on this defense or offense that can be impactful, you need them to step up and be leaders. I like Godshaw a lot. I really hope the Dolphins can pay him, but you know what? This is the name of the game. He does want to get paid, and depending how this season goes, he is going to go out there and he's going to want to prove something. I think this is a great addition to our list, Riley, because you're right. When a lot of these guys are in their contract year, they're really going to have to go out and show why they need to get paid because the NFL, as you mentioned, two or three years is about the average lifespan of a player. You don't know when your last payday is going to be. So I do see big things from Godshaw this year. Kind of reminds me a little bit of uh, Adwali Agunlier. You remember him back in the oh, day? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Defensive end showed a lot of promise, but the Dolphins just couldn't pay him. They eventually, I believe, traded him uh, for Marty Booker in that trade midseason when the Dolphins were you know, having one of those many mediocre, horrible seasons that we've had in the last 10 or 20 years. But just I don't know what reminds me about him. Maybe the motor, maybe just the ability to really – I mean, Agulio is more of a sack uh, expert, but just with Godshaw's ability to stop the run and the promise he shows, they remind me of each other a lot. So I am hoping he gets paid because I'd love to keep him on our defense, but you're right. He is going to have to show a lot this season, and he's got a lot to prove. And it it's nice to see a day three pick that the Dolphins make really sure. work out because there's not been many of them, and he's one of them. So I'm looking at this list, you know, since we're talking about guys in the last year of their deal, and I think it's worth just kind of running through some of the big names here of guys entering the last year of their deal. So you have, you know, everyone knows Ryan Fitzpatrick, Raekwon McMillan, linebacker, Breida, Matt Breida that we just traded for, Tankersley at cornerback. I think his days are basically numbered. Albert Wilson, who just restructured his deal. Ted Karras is an interesting one. Are they going to keep him on if he has a good season? Are they going to – we talked about Dieter's – versatility are they going to try to slide Dieter into that role as their long-term um, solution at center Godshaw 
Vince Beagle. Those are kind of the main guys. Um, Isaiah Ford that we talked about earlier. So when you're looking at this list, there's not a lot of big names. Like the nucleus we have, you know, for a couple of years before we have to worry about extensions and things like that. So that's the good news. But there are yeah. a couple big pieces and Godshaw is one of them. Nah, it's great news when you went through that list that you didn't say a lot of the big names or the popular players in South Florida for the Dolphins, but Godshaw's at the top of that list. He's going to be someone of a priority for the Dolphins, but we're going to have to see how this season goes. So, Riley, I got a little trivia question for you. So, I know you mentioned uh, Howard. I think we should save him for last, though. Uh, The next guy I want to talk about is actually – one of two players on the Dolphins who have been in Miami the longest, and it's not long. Can you tell me who those two players are? Who, who? You can probably get one of them because I think you know who we're going to talk about next. Yeah, cheating a little bit. <laughs> yeah. So, 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 give me the one you know. So wait. So two guys that have been with the Dolphins the longest. Yes, there's two players, and this is going to make you feel like really it's it's odd because you're like, wait, these are the two guys who have been on this Dolphins team the longest, but. They're the only two that have been with the three head coaches we've had the past three head coaches and Adam Gase, Joe Philbin, and now with Brian Flores. Oh boy. Okay. So Bobby McCain. Yeah. So Bobby McCain's the one we're going to talk about next. We're going to talk about Bobby McCain, but can you name the other player? And I can give you a hint if you don't know it. Uh, Is it offense or defense? At least give me that. It's, it's, it's offense. Okay. Offense. Is it Isaiah Ford? It's not Isaiah Ford, um, but it is somebody that Bobby McCain was. He was in the same draft class as Bobby McCain. Right, he just was give it to me. He, okay. The, he was the first round pick for the Dolphins that year. Oh, Devontae. Adam Gase's last season. Yep, it was Devontae <laughs> Parker. And, Damn it, Mason. But listen, but listen, I'll tell you what though. It, I kind of had to triple check that, and I could even be wrong. I hope I'm not wrong because I triple checked it because I could not believe that Bobby McCain and Devontae Parker have been with the Dolphins the longest. But at the same time, the way the Dolphins have traded players and the way they're rebuilding, I guess it makes sense. But but I don't know. It, it just really surprised me to see that Bobby McCain and Devontae Parker, they're kind of the um, elder statesmen on the Miami Dolphins as far as the amount uh, of years with this team. I should have known because I talk, we talked about this with Russell Clay in fantasy. Like how many since Devontae came in, I basically in fantasy drafted him every year for the last what, four years until last year. I didn't draft him. So of course he blew up. But if you are wrong, I want Dolphins fans to, you know, give you hell on, yeah. on Twitter and no, Facebook seriously. at fin it to win it, everybody. <laughs> lay into him. <laughs> nice plug. But no, I, I do want you to lay into me because as I, as I was going through, and there's many young people on this team, so it was really easy to fact check because, you know, Bobby McCain, Devontae Parker, they're Youngest going to team in the well. league. That's right. They're going into their sixth year. So I was like, well, there's not too many guys on this team who've played longer than six years. And the players I saw, I was like, no, they weren't drafted by the Dolphins. They haven't been here that long. So, you know, speaking of Bobby McCain, let's let's stick on him now. There's a lot of things I like about Bobby McCain, but the writing is on the wall from the Dolphins front office. They made a conscious decision to really address their nickel and free safety positions in the draft, really. Uh, getting the safety out of Texas and Brandon Jones, and then also in the first round with their third first-round pick, getting Noah Ibignogany. There's a lot of things I like about McCain, but the fact that they went out and they drafted these guys, they brought in another um, defensive starter and Jones out of Dallas and free agency. McCain's got a lot to prove this year. He fits many roles for this Dolphins defense. He's very undersized. Last season, the free safety position really didn't work out for him. He finished the season on the IR with shoulder injuries. 
He's a scrappy guy. He's a very physical player. But what he did in his first few seasons with the Dolphins, playing the nickel position, I really think that's where the Dolphins need to put him at as a nickel corner. But he's going to have a pretty big season this year because of what the Dolphins have brought in in the offseason. Yeah, so it's it's such an interesting situation. I guess it's a little bit like Jakeem Grant, right, on the offense. Like, wh- sure, yeah. what do you do with this guy? Because he's obviously got skills. Yeah, like you said, I thought he was more of a natural nickel corner. I mean, he is, for a safety, he's a little small. 5'11", 190, even for free safety, that's that's pretty small. And you have to worry about the durability because he was one of the worst run-stopping safeties in the league last year. I mean, obviously with coverage you're you're thinking of him as you know that's his strengths but what is a free safety covering a lot of times a lot of times it's the tight end running backs like bigger guys so is his height and uh lack of size gonna be another disadvantage for him so I was a little stunned by the Dolphins strategy in the draft because when we were previewing the draft we were thinking safety was going to be one of their main targets early in the draft so yeah they went with Brandon Jones um, I think in the third round, but we were looking at guys like McKinney out of Alabama as a potential first rounder, Grant Delpit out of LSU. I loved Grant Delpit. Um, I think he ended up going in the second round. Guys like that, high-end draft picks, uh, Winfield Jr. out of Minnesota, and they decided to pass on all those guys and go with Noah Igbenogany, the nickel cornerback. So you're going to guess he's going to play nickel with Jones and Howard on the outside. So what does this say about how the Dolphins see the future in terms of their secondary, right? So I was thinking, you know, they're going to take a safety early. That's going to be the heir apparent for the free safety position to go along with Rowe, who, you know, he's a breakout candidate for us, showed a lot of promise last year. We need a guy that actually plays safety because <laughs> both of our safeties right now are cornerbacks, <laughs> converted cornerbacks. So then I thought Bobby McCain would slide back to the nickel spot, but now that's not really the case. You know, Noah's going to be the nickel cornerback for sure. He fits Brian Flores's defensive philosophy to a T, physical, athletic, press coverage type of guy. So I see him fitting nicely in that spot. And then, like you said, they get Brandon Jones, the safety out of Texas. I have a few questions about him, but still the Dolphins invested a pretty high draft pick on him. So... Where does McCain fit in the future plans for this team? That's the question, and I really don't know the answer to that because I don't really see what the Dolphins' strategy is here because we're going to talk about this in a minute. I don't want to jump too far ahead, but you can kind of say the same thing about Howard with bringing in Jones and then drafting Igbenogany. Is the writing on the wall for Howard to not be a future part of this team if he doesn't pick up his game? So what exactly the Dolphins are trying to do in terms of their future plans in the secondary is really kind of a mystery to me. And another thing that might clear up that mystery is the future as far as McCain's contract goes. If you look at it after this season coming up in 2021 and 2022, he's going to get paid a little bit, 6.4 million in 2021 and 7 million in 2022. And none of that is guaranteed money. So the Dolphins, when this season ends, they're going to decide what they're going to do with that. We mentioned, you know, players like Godshaw and a lot of other ones that are coming up on contract years. If they're going to pay them, they're going to have to make these tough decisions. McCain has a lot to prove, not only because of the guys they brought in, but because of the money he's going to get paid in the next few seasons, and none of it's guaranteed. So he's going to have to really go out there and show that he can stay healthy 
And he's going to have to go out there and show that he can have some kind of an impact on the field, whether he is thrown into the safety position, which I think the Dolphins have learned that that didn't work. They're not going to do it. But if he's going to play it. Well, you have Adrian Colbert, Eric Rowe. I mean, there, there's not a lot. There's not a lot out there. Yeah, but Rose, for me, Rose slated for strong safety, but at free safety, I mean, Frazier, Colbert, those guys, they're more they are more for well, depth, man. They're not starting safeties in this league. But, and then but Brandon I don't, Jones, I don't, he's a rookie. We don't know what we're going to get with Brandon well, Jones yet. We're, then they're going to have to hope they get a lot. McCain, to me, is, is not a, a safety defensive back i just thought it was a mistake last season he doesn't have the build for it we saw he doesn't have the build for it because he went on ir he's had two shoulder injuries you mentioned tight ends and running backs he's struggling with those two different positions and that's his job he allowed a 107 passer rating against him last year yeah so you're right it did it was surprising the dolphins did not address it early in the draft but they're gonna have to take one of these other players and try to convert them like yeah, they've so, done in the past with so many guys. Because I think because he, there's so many question marks around this position, Mason, that it's his job to lose. I think he's going to get the opportunity um, to be the starting free safety and see what he can do if he can stay healthy. I mean, last year, yeah, he struggled, but then he got hurt. So you don't you couldn't see if there was any progression like you saw with Eric Rowe. So I think the Dolphins are committed to giving him a shot at the free safety position. Unless Brandon Jones, I think, blows everybody out of the water. I just don't see who else you put in there as your starting safety for opening day. Really need to hope that shoulder is holding up. That's all I need. That's all I'm going to say on that. Yeah. And that, that's why Mason, I think, you know, out of everyone we've talked about so far, I think the most pressure is on Bobby McCain. And I think maybe the second most is on Howard, Xavier Howard. You go from the struggles of Bobby McCain, obviously Xavier Howard is not the same circumstance, you know, when healthy, He's one of the best cornerbacks in the league, an absolute athletic stud. I mean, just thinking about him and Jones opposite sides of each other gets me siced, man. The press coverage, and then you put an Igbenogany in the slot. I mean, that's going to be a physical secondary right up on the line in your face. Guys that just aren't going to be letting wide receivers get off the line of scrimmage very easily. But the problem with Howard, and this is a this is a real problem, man. His durability is questionable at best. He has had so many knee problems since coming into the league that, for me, I am concerned about it. And I think that's why you see these moves of bringing in Jones and paying him a lot of money. And you see Igbenogany. I think their insurance policies, in case Howard is not reliable in terms of being yeah. on the field. And then you're talking about his off-the-field issues with the domestic violence charge. I know it was dropped, but we don't even know if he's going to miss some time from that. He could still get penalized from the NFL for all of that stuff that went on back in December. So off the field issues mixed with durability issues. I mean, what is that slogan that everybody in the world uses? The best, uh, the best ability is availability. And other than, you know, the stellar 2018 season, which he actually missed the last four games of, which is crazy. He got seven interceptions that year. He's only played 16 games one time. And that was the year before. Yeah, Riley, he's missed nearly half of the games in his NFL career thus far. Uh, five games last season, final four games of 2018. You mentioned the possibility of the league suspension for the domestic incident this past winter. But his knee issues, they were a concern at Baylor as well. But they're showing up again. And, you know, kind of like McCain, the writing is kind of on the wall there too. They go out and they pay... Uh, Byron Jones, a lot of money. I'm not saying that's 
them telling the fans and them telling everybody that Xavier Howard's out of here. But I liked how you, you said insurance policies, and that's what these guys are because we don't know what the durability is going to be like for Howard going forward in the future. Unfortunately, with the short career he's had and the amount of time he's missed, he's going to probably have some more durability issues. I mean, it would be more surprising to see him stay healthy and play 15, 16 games a year than it would to miss four to eight games each season. But the risk of tempting, you know, Miami to move on five years, $75 million contract. If things go south, they're going to possibly have to trade or cut him and they'll get a cap penalty for that. But still, the Dolphins are going to have to make a really tough decision with Xavier Howard as his career continues. So he does have a lot to prove. He just has to prove he needs to stay healthy. That's the big thing. His rookie season, 2016, he, he hurt his knee twice. Once in preseason, yeah. uh, came back. Then he missed weeks 5 through 14. He missed nine games because he injured his meniscus. I mentioned 2017, the only time we've seen him play all 16 games. 2018, his Pro Bowl all-pro year, he still missed four games. That's incredible, man, that he had seven picks and he still missed the final four regular. That's that's absurd. That he was he's super a- talented. He, I mean, he's he's an amazing uh, defensive back, super physical, like you mentioned. I mean, he's he's a he's a great prospect, but he has to stay healthy. Yeah, and then obviously he missed most of last season, you know, with injuries as well. So the best ability is availability, and that holds very true for Xavier Howard. Uber talented, one of the best in the league. But like I mentioned, I can't really get an idea. Maybe it's kind of for both. Maybe the Dolphins like we'll see who steps up. Bobby McCain or Xavier Howard. So we're going to pay Byron Jones a ton of money. We're going to draft Igbenogany, you know, who is super talented, very raw as a prospect, but super talented. We're going to bring in Brandon Jones. You know, we like what he brings at the safety position. So maybe they're just kind of trying to build up an insurance policy for both guys in case hopefully one works out. Hopefully both work out. But, you know, if one doesn't work out, they have a solution in place for either one. So, Xavier Howard, man, I hope that he can. Oh, I hope he can stay healthy because, dude, we're looking at like a. I'm I'm getting excited to think about it because you know the heyday for us growing up. What I mean, we weren't oh, really yeah. in the Clayton Duper Marino era. I mean, we know about it, but we didn't really grow up paying that much attention because we were so young. Like we're talking like Sam Madison, Patrick Sertan type of duo, man. Brock Marion. If these guys can stay healthy on the outside, we haven't had a cornerback duo like this in a long time now riley i agree with you the the potential for this defensive back unit is fantastic we've seen it all over social media all over miami dolphins fan pages blogs things like that there's a lot of promise with this group we have to hope and pray though that xavian howard can stay healthy and you know let's be honest with everything going on that he can stay clean off the field as well with everything. And if he can, I really hope he can stick around for the dolphins, but with the price tag that comes with him, if he can't stay on the field, they're going to eventually have to make a decision. Do we cut our losses? Do we try to get some value for this guy or do we just hang on to him hoping he can stay healthy? Just got to hope he can stay healthy and on the field. But I think that's a good last player to talk about for as far as players to prove it. And I liked how we went through a lot of these guys for different reasons, whether it's injuries, whether it's contracts, all those different things we can talk about. We could have talked about every player, but we would have been here all night. We talked about a lot of players, and we have been going a while, but I'm interested, Dolphins fans. We went through an extensive list here. There's a lot of guys that have something to prove for whatever reason going into 2020. 
But did we miss anybody? Let us know on Facebook and Twitter at Finit to Win It. Who do you think is the Dolphin with the most to prove this season? So let us know at Finit to Win It. Again, thanks to everyone who has been interacting with us on specifically Twitter. Twitter's been blowing up. It's been a ton of fun interacting with the Dolphins community. So thank you to everyone who is following us at Finit to Win It on Twitter and Facebook. All right, so that's going to wrap it up for this episode. It's been a lot of fun kind of going through these guys. We have a ton of content coming out this week. Uh, we have an interview with Dolphins rookie tight end Bryce Sterk. That's going to be coming out here soon. We have our fan giveaway that's starting on Wednesday. We're going to be breaking down the offensive line, so be checking that out as well. So, all right. For Mason, I'm Riley. Thanks to everybody for tuning in. Rate, review, subscribe, Apple Podcasts. Check us out, bluewirepods.com. We will see you next time, Dolphins fans. Fins up, everybody.